What's up, podcast world? This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by my friend James Bean and SeedsHereNow.com. That's right, SeedsHereNow.com is the number one source for high-quality seeds with a money-back guarantee and, of course, lightning-fast shipping. Check out SeedsHereNow.com for monthly sales, James Bean's pocket full of freebies, and, of course, easy-peasy credit card payment options. Don't forget about Crypto Wednesdays and James Bean's vault at SeedsHereNow.com. Welcome back, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 732 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to focus on listener emails before I get to that part of the show. Let's do a few shout outs to a few of those kind folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Uncle Adam, the Uber driver. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to Turt Burglar and Levity Love Day. I want to send a thank you shout out to Blackhawks fan and Gramps Memo. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to Canna Organic, Illinois. Let's send a big thank you shout out to my buddy Lefty's Farm. Let's send a thank you shout out to Danny Potts. I want to send a big fist bump to a longtime supporter and a good friend, my dude, the Canacrat. Let's send a thank you shout out to Brohan78. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Choke Norris. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And of course, I do include that link in the show notes and in the video description to make it super easy for all of my friends to support the podcast. I do want to send a big thank you to everybody who took advantage of the merchandise sale this month. The sale does continue through this month, of course. Things are running out, but big thanks to everybody who took advantage of the coupon codes. Of course, everybody on Patreon got a coupon code. Everybody on Discord got a coupon code. All of the members of the newsletter got a coupon code. So make sure you were signed up and participating to get your discounts on the merchandise. All right, I don't want to ramble too much here at the start of the show. Uh, Maybe too late for that already. I do have a bunch of great emails here in front of me. So with no further ado, let's jump right into the email portion of today's podcast. This first message came to me from, I'm looking for their name. I don't know if they want their name said. It says, best wishes from Bob. So shout out to my buddy, Bob. Thank you for the great email. It made it on the show and it goes a little bit like this. Hey, Rasta Jeff, that's me. It says, thanks for everything you do. Thank you, bro. Thank you for listening and for supporting and for reaching out to make the compliment. It goes on. It says, I love the show. I love the vibes. That means a lot to me. Big up, much respect. Putting out a good vibe is important. It's all about the good vibes lately. Uh, There's too much not good vibes in the world. So I want to spread the best vibes I can. Thank you for noticing. Thank you for spreading that vibe. I hope you continue that vibe throughout the day after you hear the show. It does go on. It says, you've helped me and so many people become better growers with your podcast. 
Uh, thank you, bro. That is the goal here. And to know we are reaching the goal, that means everything. So thank you for reminding me that I'm hitting my goal. That means a lot to me. Uh, that inspires me. That recharges me. That makes me want to do it even better. So I know that I'm reaching somebody, uh, helping somebody, and uh, so many people become better growers. Thank you, dude. I appreciate that. It goes on. It says, I am eternally grateful for the education and continued inspiration. Uh, keep listening, keep watching, bro, because I promise I will continue to educate you. And the inspiration goes both ways. These types of messages, uh, there's some inspiration in the message at the start. And then there's more inspiration and motivation because you've got a question and that will help keep me going. So it is teamwork. It's a uh, symbiosis. So thank you, bro. Thank you to the whole community for all the support. Let's keep going because I'm obviously high and rambly. Uh, I was smoking some Lemon Jeffrey live rosin from a Fort Collins grower who would probably rather remain anonymous. You may watch the show. Awesome work, bro. I cannot stop talking when I smoke that shit. Awesome podcast concentrates. This message does go on. It says, just a quick follow-up on episode 727 when you were talking about integrated pest management strategies. I just wanted to share a factoid regarding the hop latent viroid. Uh, in a previous episode, I did mention hop latent viroid, uh, a virus that many grows are being struck with, uh, stricken with. Uh, however, they're all getting this virus right now. Everybody is encouraging or encountering this virus uh, in a commercial grow, in a home grow. Uh, a lot of the uh, grows in California had to deal with this hop latent viroid. Anyway, he says, just a factoid I learned in the cannabis uh, regenerative conference. Big shout out to our boys at the cannabis regen conference. Uh, they do a lot of great work. Support them if you can. Uh, it says, apparently, alcohol does not kill the hop latent viroid. So what I said was to make sure to dunk your scissors and maybe your tools into some alcohol between plants, between rows. Apparently, that's ineffective. That's not going to do it. So I may have told you to waste a step. I may have given you shitty advice. I thought, to the best of my knowledge, that alcohol would sterilize your scissors and kill that virus. Our friends at the uh, regenerative, con regenerative, you say that quickly, our friends at the Regen Conference have learned and taught us that that alcohol will not kill that virus. Uh, it says, apparently alcohol doesn't kill HLV as a cleanup strategy. It just depends. Uh, it just spreads it around. Then it says, um, hypochlorous acid, which is HOCI, will kill the hop latent viroid. Just something to consider when cleaning those scissors from plants to plants. Best wishes to all from our friend Bob. Bob, big up, big thank you. Lots of good compliments, lots of praise, lots of encouragement. And then a factoid and a correction in that message. I like that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Keep the good messages coming. You guys, I may have been wrong when I said that the alcohol will fix your problem or help prevent problems. It's not going to do anything. You have to use. What is it? Let me read it again. I thought I remembered it when I folded the paper. I got to refer to my notes. You have got to use hypochlorous acid, which is H-O-C-I. That will kill the HLV. Somebody else told me that bleach would work. I will not testify to that. I do not know. If you've got feedback, input, constructive criticism, or something to say about that, let me know. Will bleach work to help uh, clean up the uh, the tools we used that may have been contaminated with hoplate and viroid? All right, I'm already high and rambly. <clears throat> I don't want to get too sidetracked. I've got another message here. This one comes from our friend Jack in Australia. What's up, Jack? Thank you for uh, listening down there in Australia. Should we turn upside down so you can see me properly? I'm just joking with you, bro. I do love the uh, the Aussie support. Big shout out to everybody in Australia who uh, supports cannabis, supports the podcast, especially all of you uh, rebel growers out there. Keep doing your thing. I'm high as shit and super rambly. 
this message. It has a disclaimer. It does say you may have to edit this to make this broadcastable. Bro, I'm good at editing this on the fly. You speak stoner. I speak stoner. I'll add that Aussie accent to it, mate. We'll be good. It says, hey, Rasta Jeff, long time, first time. Love the podcast and have learned so much from you. I'm just going to add the word mate in here occasionally. He did not type the word mate, but it says, thank you, mate. Then it says, I remember you talking about how you would teach someone to defoliate specifically during flower. When you were teaching that, you mentioned something along the lines of anything with a purple petiole can come off. That is something I do remember teaching, practicing, and saying on the podcast. That is still kind of a rule that I follow. I do believe that those purple petioles are a good indicator in the early flower room that those leaves can come off. I'll keep talking about that as we go. It says, I wonder if your stance has changed or if you have more information or if you still practice this. I still do this. Unfortunately, with the... um. <clears throat> excuse me for the throat clearing. Unfortunately, with the uh, the pandemic we had, uh, a lot of my career opportunities and career moves did change. I left a lot of the commercial cultivation consultation jobs because uh, the commercial crews, the commercial grows went down to uh, what I was calling a skeleton crew. There was a lead grower and then as minimal of a crew as they could handle in there. The lead grower was doubling up his work. All the main growers were doubling up their work. We took people from working uh, eight hour shifts to working 10 hour shifts. That way we didn't have to have as many people coming and going from the grows. We just had uh, the same people there all the time to keep numbers down. Uh, just that was what we were doing for the, uh, the pandemic, the lockdown, the quarantine situation. So when that was happening, I didn't want to be uh, at all of these grows. My job is to travel from two or three different grows a day, uh, do one before lunch, one after lunch, and then try to squeeze another one in whenever I can during a day and go to these different grows and see what's going on. That would put me in contact with a lot of people. And during the, the quarantine, that wasn't necessary. So I just chose to, uh, I had contracts with a lot of places. And around September, October, they all expired. And I did not renew uh, many of them. I have a couple of things that I do on the side, but I'm not heavily contracted. So I'm not in the commercial grows as much as I was. But I still remember that the uh, defoliation strategy, yes, anything with a purple petiole, I do still employ the strategy of let's pull that off. That's what I teach the... Uh, the crew, the grow techs, the growers in the rooms is to remove those. There's more to this message. Let me read it so that I could stay on track. It says, I found this to be a pretty great rule, but I would love you to do more, uh, would love you to go more into removing large amounts of fan leaves during flower, perhaps day 21, roughly for me on a flood and drain. Coco, he tells us about his grow. It's still going to be the same almost no matter how your grow is. I'm probably going to defoliate at certain times. Just depends on how intensely we will do it will be the adjustments and the anomalies. Uh, then he says, uh, how about schwazing or stripping or week three or day 21, a heavy doing a heavy defoliation? Yes, uh, all of what you're saying makes sense. I, I will talk about removing uh, heavy amounts of leaves since I'm thought, thinking about this and we're right here at this point. If you're going to heavily strip the room uh, and defoliate a lot of plants in a room, I'm used to working in large rooms. Your spaces aren't probably as big as what I'm thinking about. But if you're going to work in a space and you're going to defoliate it, <clears throat> My advice, and I do apologize for the throat clearing. I smoked rosin on a hot nail. I feel good, but I got the throat butter, um, the lung butter. Um, so if you're going to defoliate the room and you want to defoliate, I'm just going to make up an, a scale. Let's say we're going to defoliate on a on a one to five scale. You want to hit a hard four. That's your goal, right? I would not defoliate. I would not start at the plant in the corner and defoliate it to a four. I would do everything to a level two, and then I would come back and do everything to a level three, then come back and do everything to a level four. That way... 
Uh, we do it in a commercial grow this way because it takes a lot more time to defoliate. I've got multiple dudes uh, and dudettes and non-binary folk in a room defoliating their asses off all day long. I don't want this section of the room to be naked and no leaves and this room still to look like the 70s and be all bushy. I want to kind of keep it even throughout the room so that uh, we're going to talk more about uh, microclimates and temperature pockets and humidity pockets and things in the room. I want to prevent that. So I'm going to defoliate evenly, just do a level one strip, a level two, and just do it in increments instead of one section is naked, one section is really fuzzy. Now you did mention the word schwazing. That is right here in the message. I don't necessarily do a schwaz. That is when you almost take off every leaf except those two at the top. You strip almost every uh, bigger leaf with a pedial off of the plant. I don't go that hard. If that is a level five, I would say I do about a three and a half to a four. I like to leave some leaves on there. I believe that the leaves do have a function. They're there for a reason, but I do defoliate for a reason. Let me talk about several of the reasons why I do choose to defoliate the plants. Um, the rooms and commercial environments in Colorado, the rooms are hard to dial in large rooms and keep the uh, the environment, the conditions ideal throughout a large environment, throughout a large space. We do get the rooms somewhere between like 80 and 84 degrees and the, uh, the humidity is right for the phase of growth in which we are in, but we've got a range. And if you walk through the room, as you go, you could feel it's more humid here, it's hotter here. It's not extreme, but as a grower who can uh, identify that shit, you will notice it. So by defoliating a lot of the leaves, I can prevent a lot of the microclimates. There's not as much, uh, is it transpiration, respiration? There's not as much, I should have researched this. I'm talking really quickly also because I'm high as shit. There's not as much water coming out of those leaves when I water that room. Not having so much water in the room reduces my opportunity for powdery mildew. In Colorado, we are notorious for getting Colorado or for getting powdery mildew. Every time the uh, the season changes, right now we're going from the cold and wintry season into the warmer spring season. It seems like it's winter one day, summer the next, we're not going to get a spring. But that type of shit creates powdery mildew if we can't dial in the rooms. So by taking off some of the leaf and taking off some of the water in the room, that will help me mitigate those issues. Also, where do bugs and problems hide? Where does the powdery mildew go? Where do the spider mites go on the leaves? If we take away the hotel rooms, if we take away the empty beds, there's nowhere for the powdery mildew, for the spider mites, whatever other insect you may run into, there are less places for them to go. So we remove the leaves from the room, destroy the leaves, less opportunity, less campsites for the homeless spider mites to chill out in there. Now I'm going to get back to the message because part of what you say does kind of lead into more of what I want to talk about. It goes on, it says, from my own tests and seeing others work, it seems I can increase yields and overall quality by improving airflow. Yes, improving airflow definitely helps. Uh, the plants are happier. Uh, do you want to be in a room when you spread out your arms, you touch your bros everywhere you reach, you can't get any of your own space? That sucks. You kind of want to open your arms sometimes, stretch out. You want to go to get some space. The plants want to do the same thing. If we take off some, off some leaves, the leaves aren't dangling, touching each other all the time. That will help them out. That will also prevent heat pockets. It also says it per, uh, increases uh, light penetration. Yes, if we take off a lot of the leaves, the lower buds will get more light. The lower buds will get more density. They'll get bigger, stronger, more potent. You won't have to trim up that little larfy crap at the bottom there. Then it says, and my plant seems to focus more on buds themselves, resulting in more dense, less leafy finished product. Yes, you're setting yourself up for success because in the end, we've got to cut all the leaves off anyway. So if we strategically start cutting those leaves off early in flower and as we go week by week, take off some here, some there, some here, some there. When it's at the end of the season, you don't have a bunch of dreadlocked, furry, leafy plants. You've got 
less leaf to deal with. So all of your theories are accurate, are correct. So let's talk about timing. I like to defoliate about uh, just like you're kind of doing it here. Right when we move them into flower, I will do a pop, a twist, and a light defoliation. Then around day 21, another pop, a twist, and a light defoliation. Then around week six, another light pop, twist, and defoliation. Then just slowly defoliate as we go and let the plants work. And then uh, as I begin to flush, uh, see in a commercial grow, it's hard to time everybody. We got a crew that is trimming sometimes, doing other shit sometimes. When I can get four or five people to go into the room that's about to be harvested, I'll send them in there to do uh, strategic defoliation, take off all the leaves with petioles. Now let's talk about why I say this, uh, remove the leaves with the petioles, the petioles. Why is that my strategy? Because if those petioles have turned purple, they're probably old enough to have been on that plant for the leaf to be big enough to be blocking substantial light. That's my main uh, diagnosis, my main theory behind that. Once that uh, the petiole has turned purple, the leaf is probably bigger than my hand, which means it's probably big enough to block light to the bud below it. It's probably big enough to uh, let off enough water to create a powdery mildew environment. It's definitely big enough for thousands of spider mites to congregate underneath and throw a party and reproduce under there. That purple color tells me that that leaf is just probably old enough and big enough to be removed. It's really easy. I like to have simple uh, training techniques for people. Uh, no offense to the people who work in commercial grows. A lot of you are amazing. A lot of you amazing people also have one day a week where you're too fucking high to figure out your own life, which, hey, do your thing, pimpin'. Sometimes I get too high to handle my own life. I just don't do it at a commercial grow. Uh, you get lit up and then you go in there and I've got to give you instructions and in crayons. A lot of times if I write down those instructions and in crayons and give somebody an objective, they'll do it like a fucking robot all day. But you have to be able to explain it to them like a puppy, like they're stoned, like it's their first day at work. So if I say, take off all of the big leaves with the purple stem, they'll see the purple and they'll just go start taking off leaves. It gives them confidence. And then they'll see what they did. I could say, see, like, you remember how it looked before? Do you remember how it looks now? Now let's go and take off a few more leaves and just clean it up a little bit and do another level. And I can teach them. It's just a training technique, an easy method of training the dudes, uh, the dudettes, the non-binary uh, growers and grow techs. This is getting weird in the future here. Uh, but that's my way of training people. That's why I say take off the leaves with the purple starts. Now, uh, your your Girl Scout cookies and some of your stuff like that, the Saka Souffle is going to make purple petioles. Uh, they're probably going to be real long. Those leaves are going to be big and black. You can leave them on for the visual, but I would probably take them off. Uh, I do uh, probably a level one defoliation on the first day of flower, like a level two and a half to three defoliation. If one through five is our method here, if five is naked and one is kind of just being lazy, I do a level one on day one. <clears throat> around day 14, I'll hit them with a two and a half to a three. Then around week six, I'll hit them with another level three because they've bushed out again. I'm not going to go past that level three, but I'm going to get it back to the three, give it another buzz cut, make sure it's cleaned up in there. You can do, you can go kind of extreme on some plants. Some plants, however, will not recover from overstripping. I've had some strains that when you strip them, they stall. They just freeze up. They go, I'm naked. I don't have any leaves. I don't know what to do. Some plants you could do it and they will really take off and they'll really grow. So this is going to be strain specific, environment specific. There are a lot of anomalies that will factor in here. Let me get back onto the email because there is more. It says, are there commercial examples of heavy defoliation? Um, I've seen some commercial facilities strip them totally naked to where I would freak out. Like I, if I was the uh, director of cultivation in that place, I'd be writing people up and we'd be taking a class and it might be working for them. But dude, it scares me to see that sometimes. Then it says, uh, 
What do you do in your garden when you're growing for flower? Maybe you could talk about the dangers of overdoing it and going a bit easier and non-synthetic garden systems. I don't think that synthetic and non-synthetic really makes a difference in how much you defoliate. I think it's more about the genetics, <clears throat> environment, your goal, uh, mainly the environment and the natural leafiness of the plant. Is that a thing? The leafiness, the natural amount of leaves that that plant makes. Also, some nutrients make a lot of leaves, not as many leaves from some newts, more newts from another. So a lot of things could factor into this and a lot of things could factor into how many leaves you take off. Some people don't take off any leaves. Some people insist that those leaves are there as solar panels and they're feeding the plants. Uh, we're feeding the plants into the root zone. I'm spending a lot of money on bottled nutrients, mixing it up, pouring it into the root zone. They're eating from there. I could tell because the leaf tips are burnt. Uh, we don't have to worry about feeding the plant from the leaves as much. Uh, they do work as solar panels. You'll learn if you start watching, you'll see when you remove a leaf, you'll see where uh, the more leaves pop up and how it moves the growth. You'll start to learn that. But overdoing it is one of the things you asked about. Um, maybe you could talk about the dangers of overdoing it. Yeah, you could overdo it. I mentioned it. If you overstrip them, those plants just might not recover. They might not spit out more leaves. You may have slowed them down, burned them out. So my advice there is if you're going to start uh, schwazing, stripping, heavily defoliating new plants, uh, if you're in control and you've got multiple plants of the same strain, which hopefully you're running multiple plants of the same strain so we can do an experiment, strip one at a level one, strip one at level two, strip one at level three, and continue all the way till one's naked so you can do some experiments. If you don't have enough to do a lot of anomalies, do one a little bit, one extreme, and see what you like better. That's how we learn these plants, you guys. I am not some sort of magical wizard. Uh, I am a Jedi. I am a ninja, but I'm not a wizard. Uh, I don't have any magical... Uh, I don't have a magic wand or anything like that. I've grown a lot of plants and I've tried a lot of shit. That's how I know what works and what doesn't work. I know that when I do this and I do this to plants right next to each other, I can take notes and I can see what works best. And then I can say, shouldn't do that again or should do that again. And then I've done a lot of those experiments, a lot of comparisons, a lot of uh, tests, a lot of trials, a lot of tribulations. Uh, I've done full episodes about mistakes. You guys, I have killed plants. I have killed, I've cut down shit in the middle because I wasn't happy. I, I've killed stuff. Don't don't think that I'm a, a fucking perfection, a perfect grower. I'm no wizard. Um, I, I may be a Jedi, but I'm not a perfect grower. But I've done a lot of experimenting. I've tried a lot of things, and that's how I've learned what does and what does not work. Sometimes you got to try different things in different rooms and different spaces. Sometimes you have to get creative and inventive. Sometimes the things that work for me won't work for you and your grow. Sometimes it, what works for Mike at Mike's grow or Bill at Bill's grow will not work at Jack and Jill's grow. We've all got different goals, different ideas, and different strategies. But don't be afraid to do some experiments. So get in there. Strip the shit out of one plant. Kind of defoliate one and then leave another one alone. Take a lot of notes, see what works best for you, repeat the process, or repeat the experiment for more reliable data. My um, dude, Jack, let me wrap up your message. It says, I thought it might make a good episode, and if not, I hope to hear back from you. Bro, I think this made a nice episode. I rambled on for quite a few minutes about this one. I said quite a few minutes. I hope you didn't or did hear that one. Uh, it says, cheers, man. Give your mom a hug for me from Prohibition Land in Australia. Jack, thank you for the great message. Thank you for listening down there in Australia. Please spread the show, spread the vibe, spread the love to more of the Aussie crew. Shout out to everybody down there in Australia listening to the Grow From Your Heart podcast. 
podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, pimps, hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, pollen chuckers, all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there. I want to thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. If you feel like this episode was educational, informative, or entertaining, maybe you just like to support the show, all you have to do is check out patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know I would love to hear from you. My email address is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Let me know what you think of the show. If I said all of that too quickly, I do have a website. It is iregenetics.com. On that website, there will be a link to the Patreon campaign. There will be a Grow Help tab. On that Grow Help tab, you can type in all of the info I need to help you diagnose your grow. We ask a few questions. Then at the bottom, it says, what's wrong with the grow? And we can help you solve all of your problems, send pictures, uh, type in all the details. Let us know how we can get your grow up to speed. Let me know what your questions are. We'll get you going. Also, there's a link to the Discord on there. There's a link to the merchandise store. There's a link to uh, vendors on there. Many great links at iriegenetics.com. Make sure you guys check that out. That is all I've got for you for this episode. You know I'll be back Monday with fresh new content. I want to give a giant shout out to my friend Billy Bong Smokin'. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me.